So, so many of you guys have been on trips while we were away, and uh, hey, just on the count of three, if you went out of town, say where you went to. Ready? One, two, three. Odessa. I heard James. Odessa, the loudest. That doesn't count. Odessa. Is that a good, is that a good vacation spot? I wouldn't think that's a good vacation spot. It smells like uh, oil and uh, cows. I mean, it's just, uh, yeah. Hey, to each his own, to each his own. If that was fun for you, you know. Hey, some people still watching online. How are you going? Don't get too comfortable in that lawn chair. I see you, Sean and Kristen, watching on the beach. So uh, come on back to us. Um, but we had a really fun family trip. And the first week we were... Not really on vacation, we went to uh, uh, FCA coaches, anybody familiar with Fellowship of Christian Athletes? Yeah, we went on a coaches retreat, and I think, yeah, me and my daughter Grace got to lead worship together, so it was for coaches and their families, and uh, it wasn't really too much a break, it was a little bit of break, but two sessions a day for four days, Monday morning and night, we led worship together, and that was just a, it's just a joy, and Everybody there loves it. They love to see it. It's like, how cool is that? Father and son, or father and daughter, I should say. Father and daughter leading worship together. My son wants to, he's like, next year I'm doing it, Dad. So they want, they want to make it a full band. I've got a, I've got a Liam one plays guitar, Nathan's working on the drums. And so we're like, okay, we're, you know, we got a Partridge family here. So um, then the next week we went to Colorado for a week and we were in 70 degree weather made our way back, but a couple interesting things happened on this trip, and just to open up, JJ started crawling, that was a cool thing. Uh, I actually may show you him crawl before today, Um, and then one of the things is, I prayed that nothing would happen on this trip at Resonate. I was like, Lord, no emergencies, I don't want to have to, you know, no crisis, I must have forgot to pray over my family. (laughs) It's funny now, but, but the first night we were in Lubbock, and when we get there, you know, we're setting all the baby stuff up. It's taking forever. You know how it goes with a little one. And the kids start wrestling on the cow or on the, the bed, and Nathan, uh, my nine-year-old, throws his head back like this and hits the corner of the dresser. Blood's everywhere, screaming's everywhere, and we're like, God, we just started. It was literally our first night. We were just passing through. So, of course, we had to go to, uh, we were like, okay, he's, he, we settle him down, but we're going to have to get to, you know, a, a, some kind of hotel. Yeah, there he is. Look at him. Oh. And so we're like, we're going to have to get to, you know, a, a hospital or something like that. And we're like, uh, I, was, I hadn't got the bill for that yet either. But, so we gets, he gets five staples, and he's so proud of it all. You know, he's, he's like, I, he's, he has them still. He's saved them. We pulled them out, and he's like rocking around showing them, look what I did. Call, he called his friends, look what I got, went through, you know, the scars. And, hey, sh- Mom, show them the picture of the gash. And, but when we get done, they're like, hey, uh, how are you going to get these things out? Because you you're, you're passing through. And we're like, oh, I don't know. And, and he says, well, I can just give you the tool. You can do it yourself. And Sarah's like, well, we could YouTube it, you know. I'm like, that's, that's encouraging. So we go and we do our first week, and then we, we get through the week, and, and we get to Colorado, and it was so cool. 
God just took care of us. When we got there, we were meeting the neighbors, the people that are right next door, and she just happened to say, yeah, my, my husband just finished PA school. And we're like, PA school? And we'd been putting it off. We were starting to get worried that the skin was going to grow around the staples because it's been kind of getting long because Sarah really didn't want to do it. And so he said, yeah, come on over. And he pulls the staples out, and we're like, praise God. He just knew what we wanted before we needed I mean, because there's hardly any place to go to where we're at. Second crazy story was when we were in Colorado, you have to get to a gon- you have to take a gondola to get to where uh, to the town. And we were in the we were at the gondola, and we were looking around. It was just me and the kids, and we were looking around. And we we're going where, you know, we looked through the town, and we're like, I-, I can't figure out how to get back to the gondola. I don't know where it's at. So I'm walking around the streets, and 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 we're we're looking around, and I'm like, I think it's this way, trying to do GPS and all this kind of stuff. And I look around and. All of a sudden, I'm like, hey, hey, do you know where the gondola is? And this lady walks up. She, yeah, yeah, right there. And I looked at her and says, I know you. This is in Colorado. And she goes, I know you, Jeff Sparkman. And I'm like, what? How do you know? This was a family that had come to the church about two, three years ago, right when we were getting started. And they left because their daughter just could not connect. And we were just young. We didn't have a lot of kids at the time. And she says, you know what? We never... We're able to find a home, church. Maybe we're supposed to come back. And I was like, hmm, maybe God's setting you up right there. You know, so if you're watching online, come on back. It could have just been a coincidence, but I don't think so. So uh, crazy things that happen. So hope you did you guys have some crazy stories this this summer? Any anybody crazy crazy story? Nobody hurt, right? No broken bones? Okay. All right. Well, we're in a new series called Believer to Disciple. Out in the four-year, we've got four words that we, we go through. Holiness, manifestation, believer to disciple, and restoration. These are four words that God gave us at the beginning of this year to say, hey, I want you to focus your attention, focus your time on, um, on these words. And the Holy Spirit spoke these words, and we should focus on them. I've already hit two of them, holiness and manifestation, but we're going to hit the next one, uh, which is Believers to disciples. This is a big, big subject, and it's going to take several weeks to unpack. But let me just say, this isn't just going to be a message that um, that's like, man, that's a good one. Man, Jeff, come on, that's that's great. You know, this is actually, I believe, the Lord's given us a blueprint for discipleship, and I'm going to talk about it a little bit more. But uh, you know, I lay in bed at night, waking, just awake, thinking, Lord, how do we? How do we disciple people? And I'll show you just in a second why it's so important. We're not just trying to get more people in the church. Uh, We're trying to disciple people. And so um, you'll see a little bit more as we get into this that uh, the American church has not been very good at discipling people. We're great at getting believers. We're great at getting converts. But true disciples, not so good. Think about it. We're, we're losing the culture war. This is the reason we're losing the culture war. Discipleship. Do you know in 1948, 91% of Americans said they were Christian? 70 years ago. 1989, that number went down to 82, or, or sorry, uh, 82%, yeah. Today, 63%. So what does that tell us? So, number one, we're not passing it on. We're having amazing encounters as parents, but we're not passing it on to the next generation. But the second thing I would think about is 
man, 63%, that's still a huge majority. That's a huge majority of people. We should be seeing God break through in our nation. What's going on? Well, let me just tell you, it's discipleship. Things keep getting worse, don't they? This is all about discipleship and a biblical worldview. So I, I, I want to um, just start by talking a little bit, and this is going to take us forever to impact today. You know, hopefully we'll get out of here in a couple hours, but I've just got a lot now. It's going to take a few months probably to unpack some of the things we're, we're working on and talking about. But um, what is a disciple? Well, a disciple is a follower or a student or of a teacher, a leader, or a philosopher. And the Bible takes us even further and says a disciple of Jesus is someone who believes in Christ, the master, the teacher, follows and obeys his teaching, strives to imitate and become like Jesus, and lays his life or her life down for Jesus and helps others do the same. So you think about a believer and disciple. Now, in Scripture, it's really the synonymous words, right? If you're a believer, you're a disciple. If you're a disciple, you're a believer. But in this prophetic sense, I think we can all understand what's really being said here in this prophetic word. Because I can believe something and not be a follower, or or I can believe something and not imitate or try to become. We all get that. I mean, think about this. Let me illustrate it this way. I'm a Cowboys fan. I'm a believer. I'm a believer, man. This is their year. I'm passionate about the Cowboys. Some years better than others, maybe not so much this year, but I watch their services online every Sunday. <laughs> I subscribe to their newsletter on ESPN. I mean, I get all the stuff about a Cowboy fan. If they win, I am super excited. I go to and listen to the post-game show. For 30 minutes about this is our year, we're going to win it, this is finally, we finally got all the pieces in place. If they lose, I'm really mad and I go listen to the post-game show and hear how Jerry Jones, would, if he's, as long as he's the general manager, will never win. I mean, but think about it. Either way, I have a little bit of time and I go on about my life. I'm invested kind of, right? My life doesn't revolve around the Cowboys Uh, Their world doesn't dictate how I live mine. I don't aspire to be Dak Prescott's uh, disciple and hang on every word of he says, you know, we just got to get better in all three phases. Just got to get better in all three phases. That's all they ever say, and it doesn't make any, it means nothing. They must train them just to say that, just get better in all three phases. I believe I get passionate when they score a touchdown. I raise my hands. I clap my hands. I scream. I yell. All right, we're getting a little real here. How come we can do that on a football game, but when it comes to church, we struggle? Oh, sorry, that's another, another sermon. But I do all the stuff that you would think I'm passionate about it, But I'm not really a disciple. I'm not trying to imitate my life around them. And the point is, as Christians, we can do this. We don't allow the full power and understanding of what Jesus did on the cross to completely transform our lives, to permeate us, to transform us, to change us. We we might take on some new principles, We might get some new friends. 
We tithe, we maybe even serve. But the Christian walk, I mean, it's so much deeper than that. It's a whole lot deeper than that. Christ wants to totally transform us into a different person. Not a different personality, but he's transforming in, in us into who he actually called us to be. We become Jesus with skin on. We don't just drink a little bit less. We don't just cuss a little bit less. We aren't just a little bit nicer. We actually become unrecognizable compared to the person we were before we surrendered our life to Christ. Anybody ever been someplace and knew somebody before you were saved and after that you were saved? And they're like, who are you? Yeah? I like what Carolyn sent me this, uh, Dunnigan. She says, a believer mindset is the constant thought about healing your, your house, your children, your finances, your life, your bills, your heartaches, which he wants for us all. But the disciple mindset is about healing the kingdom of God, healing God's sons and daughters, healing souls, healing others, praying for others, not so much a focus on self, although seasons of being deeply focused on self will come and go and we will wave in and out of being focused on ourselves or our family on and off for the rest of our lives. It just cannot be our only development in terms of prayer and spiritual warfare. I totally agree. There's something happens when you begin to step into your full calling that it's like you just stop... It's not that you don't care about yourself anymore. It's like the more you care about what God cares about, the less you care about what you care about. And the more you care about what God cares about, he takes care of what you care about it and you don't even have to care about it anymore. That's what happens to a disciple. A mature, we're really talking about maturity. A mature disciple thinks less of themselves. They're full of joy and the peace, the gifts of the Spirit. They're a giver. They're a sacrificer. They live a holy life. They're full of faith. They know God's Word, and they use it in every day of their life. Now, let me just say this. Nobody arrives. doesn't matter how much you pray every day. If you could pray for 10 hours a day for the rest of your life, and you'll be 90 years old, and you have not arrived. We are all at different places, but let me say this. You should be growing. You should be growing. And a disciple of Jesus has one focus, the kingdom of God. A true disciple of Christ wakes up every day thinking, how do I love God more? How do I love people more? And how do I impact the world for the kingdom of God? Now, you, you could be a business owner. You could be a, a stay-at-home mom. You can be a student, all those things. And we all got stuff we got to do. But there's an overarching theme to our life of like, I just got do what God's on God's heart. I just want to do what he desires. I just, Lord, I just want your will in my life. I want to make an impact. Matthew 6, 31 says this. So don't worry about these things saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. They dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. We're going to get into this scripture a little bit more um, in the coming weeks. But your heavenly father already knows all your needs. Listen to this. We all know the word. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. I don't know how this works, but Jesus is the only one that when you put everything, all your eggs in one basket with him, everything else gets taken care of. You do that even in your marriage. You do that with your kids. You do that with your business. Anything else that you put everything in, there's always stuff that gets messed up. You can't, you can't do it all. But Jesus is the one that when you 
obey him, everything else begins to fall into place. I mean, think, I want you to think about the disciples of Jesus for a second. I mean, they left everything. They not only left their job, they left their whole career. They left their homes. Some of them left family. They left their standing in the community. They were mocked. They were beaten. And you know what they also did? They changed the world. And we're still talking about them 2,000 years from now. You know what else? It was the joy of their life to do it. The joy of their life to do it. They left everything, took up their cross, empowered by the Holy Spirit, and changed the world. And the Bible says we are called as believers to do the exact same thing. We're called. Everybody's real quiet in here. You guys okay? All right, all right, all right. I love this. We read this a lot. If you want to be my disciple in Luke, you must, by comparison, hate everyone else. Your father, your mother, your wife, your children, your brothers and sisters, yes, even your own life. Otherwise, you cannot be my disciple. If you do not carry your own cross and follow me, you cannot be my disciple. I mean, this is a hard word. This is why a lot of people never step fully into discipleship. And that's why the people right there, when he said those things, they're like people turn around and says, I don't know. I I can't do this. And I'm asking you, can you do it? Can we do it? You rearrange your entire life around what Jesus wants, which is the lost, his people, his church, his kingdom. And you think, you know, think the, the happiest people we tend to think are the ones that have all the success and all the money. Do you know so many stats back up that to say that is untrue? I was, well, I don't know if you saw on the news this week, Elon Musk, the richest person in the world, he's, un, he's in trouble because he was cheating with another billionaire's wife. And he's got one, one kid with this woman and one kid with that woman, all, the, all this dis, dysfunction. 70% of lottery winners, do you know they're broke within seven years? And the suicide rate is way high. Success is temporary, but it doesn't fill you. I, w- I was thinking about, um, I don't say this to brag, but to really d- just to make a point. When I was a kid or when I was a teenager, I had all these things that I thought, man, if one day if I could lead worship in front of thousands, man, one day if I could get up there, I'm, I'm going to do this and I'm going to have this job. And you know what? I had an opportunity to do that. I remember leading worship in front of seven or 8,000 at a convention and I got done. I said, that was it? <laughs> Okay, I mean, it was cool for 20 minutes. Go about your life. I mean, some of you have experienced the same thing. If I could just make this much money, you said these things and you did. You know what I'm talking about? If I could just ever make that much money, and then is it ever enough when you've made that much money? (laughs) It's never enough. Some of you said, man, if I could just get this job, if I could get, just get this degree, if I could have this many followers on Instagram. I don't know if anybody's in here. Do we've got any influencers in here? I don't know. But you get there and you realize it doesn't satisfy. All you need is more of that. It feels good. Maybe it meets a need in your life, but it doesn't fulfill I mean, have you ever listened to those interviews where people have made it, they've made money or the fame, like rock stars and stuff like that? And 
And they get to the end of life and they're like, it, it just didn't fulfill me. And all I needed was the next, so now that I got to where I thought I was going to go, then I needed the next success and the next success and the next success. And then finally, when you get there, you ultimately realize it's never enough. And that's when the people turn to drugs and alcohol because they're like, I want to numb out because I've met all my goals in life and I still am unfulfilled. What a horrible place to be. But thank God Jesus gave us the answer. It's really under discipleship. When you discover nothing else is better than Jesus. Nothing else is better than following him. Nothing else is better than being on the roller coaster of faith by listening to his word and stepping out in scary faith, seeing your family change, seeing your lot, your friends change, leading people to the Lord, being able to, to impact people. When you begin to, anybody know what I'm talking about? When you've, when you've stepped into that, you step in it and you're like, this is what I was designed to do. It's designed to do. Discipleship's a lot like breathing in and breathing out. You don't even realize it. Breathe in the word of God, the things that he's teaching you. Breathe out. You release it. If you, don't breathe, if you keep breathing in, you're going to die. If you keep breathing out, you're going to die. You've got to do both. Discipleship is both those things. That's the life God's called us to. And let me just say... I just say this sadly because, I mean, I haven't done this a whole lot, but I've seen a lot of Christians who never get past that point. They may give, they may tithe, they may go to church, but a radical life sold out for Jesus? Nah, they never make it. They miss the joy. The apostles were arrested for preaching in Jesus' name, and I love this. I... I, I, I don't even know if I can picture this. Think about it. They were arrested, and the Bible says they, were, they called the apostles in and had them flogged. Now, do you know what flogging is? Anybody know what flogging is? You guys know what flogging is, right? It's, it's uh, either whips or rods. It could be bamboo rods. And they take them, they open up their back, and then they hit them. I mean, that's pretty intense, I would think. I don't think that would feel very good. I mean, take a rod and hit somebody 30 times on the back as hard as you can, and then what happened? They ordered them never again to speak in the name of Jesus, and they let him go. And the apostles left the high council rejoicing that God had counted them worthy to suffer disgrace in the name of Jesus. Where does that come from? Yes, I just got beaten on my back for 40 times. I won't be able to walk for a couple of days. But man, praise God, I did this for Jesus. I was so worthy, counted worthy to be able to do that. Where does that come from? That's supernatural discipleship. I'm all in. I have no higher calling than to serve him. I have no other purpose in my life than to bring him glory and to let other people know how good he is. That's my entire calling. I don't know where that comes from. <laughs> Passionate worshipers of Jesus, that's all I know. This isn't just head knowledge. It's words of Christ that are seen on the page. This is discipleship. It's not just knowing what's, what you're hearing, but it's the words on the page come to life in your life. When, you, when the Bible says pray for the sick and you pray and they get well. 
when the Bible says, be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication, supplication bring your request to God and the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. You do that. You say, Lord, I lay this at your feet and you're like, I feel better. When the Lord, by the, whole, by the Spirit, says, step out, I want you to sow that seed. I want you to take a chance over here. I want you to do that. And you step out and you go, I really heard him. Oh, my goodness. When that happens, you are marked for life. And you're like, I can't do anything else but keep following that. I can't do anything else. I, I, I'm hooked. So I want to just lay out what are some characteristics of a disciple of Christ. We're going to spend, like I said, several weeks going over a lot of these pieces. But I just want to kind of lay this out so we can understand what we're talking about. We're really talking about maturity. We're talking about going from a child to an adult in Christ. And uh, I need, uh, can somebody go get Sarah? I need, I got an illustration with JJ and I'm getting a little nervous because he's not here. So what are the characteristics of a disciple of Christ? Let's, let's go through these. Number one, passionately committed to Christ. Let me just say this. They're a believer in Jesus. They've had a true conversion from death to life. Not just new, not just new information. No, they have, they have moved from death to life. Number two, extraordinary love for people. We will be known by our love, the Bible says. Extraordinary love for people. People are going to be around you and go, I don't know what it is about you. You know, that's a fruit of the Spirit. That doesn't happen just the day that you come to Christ. It takes time to develop that, the Holy Spirit to develop that fruit in you. Number three, a servant's heart. You serve your spiritual brothers and sisters. True disciples are constantly looking, how can I serve? How can I help? How can I help others grow in their faith? Number four, they're submitted and led by the Holy Spirit. You hear his voice on a regular basis and you obey. Submitted to the Holy Spirit's voice. Let me ask you, do you hear the Holy Spirit's voice? A disciple hears God's voice. Jesus is pretty clear. My sheep will know my voice. Number five, they were governed by the authority of God's word. This means you have a biblical worldview. You're, you filter your daily life, your decisions, your choices, all through God's word. It's not what I feel. It's what is real and written in here. Number six, you live whole. You strive to live a holy life. Nobody's perfect. We're not, we're not trying to say that. But you learn to, to be convicted by the Holy Spirit. You repent and you move forward and you don't do the same thing you used to do. You learn how to get healed from offenses. Mature people learn how to get healed from... You know, when you think about health, health doesn't mean you never... If you're healthy, does that mean you never get sick? No, it just means you have an immune system and able to help you to get back to health. So people who are spiritually unhealthy have ability. They, the enemy drags them down, but they never know how to get back. They get hurt. They get wounded, but they never know how to get back. And what do they do? They move on to the next church, and they move on to the next church, and maybe this will thing. And the Lord's trying to teach them, hey, I just want you to get healed, and I want to show you, bring you up in maturity. Sometimes it's you. 
Number seven, they're evangelistically bold. They share their faith. Number eight, they're engaged in biblical community. There are things that happen in your life that you cannot get outside of community. It's just stuff you can't get. It's because God made us that way, right? We're all members of of one body. We're all different members. Sometimes God's going to give something to somebody else, and and you're going to go, why didn't they give that to me? Or why didn't he give that to me? And God's going to say, no, because I gave them to you, gave them to him so he can give it to you. This is how I work. Some of those things God gives my wife that he doesn't share with me. (laughs) Usually it's not the opposite. (laughs) Number nine, they're generous. They're generous with their time, their talent, and their treasure. And number ten, they live on on mission. Your life has a focus. You live for the kingdom of God first. So Matthew 28 says this, Therefore go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, to teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given, and be assured I am with you always, even to the end of the age. This is our call. This is our co-mission. Not just converts. We're helping people go to the next level. And maybe some of you, I hope it's time for you to go to the next level. We never arrive. We're different places, but we should be growing. And let me ask, do you have a strategy for your spiritual life? Do you have a goal? Have you even thought about that? Lord, I want to be like this next year. I want to be more loving next year than I am this year. Do you have any goals for that? Do you, have, you, have you put together a strategy for how you're going to grow? Think about that. Or do you just happenstance? Well, whatever the church offers, whatever. Or do you have a plan? I want to grow in, in, in Christ. I want to see more of the fruits of the Spirit. I want to see these gifts of the Spirit operate. I want to be able to use this. Do you have a plan? Have you put a plan in place? That's conviction for me. We should have a strategy. The data backs it up. We are not making an impact in, in discipling people in the American church. I want to read this to you. This is just, this is startling. In fact, Barna's, uh, we, Barna does all these studies for churches, had a recent study. Only 9% of Americans have a biblical worldview. What is a biblical worldview? This is questions about all kinds of things. Sex, sexuality, marriage, Sin, is heaven real? Is hell real? Is the Holy Spirit a being or just a force? Is Satan just a force of, of uh, evil or is he a real being? Morality, even questions like, are, all, are men, are, are all people generally good? The answer is no, they're not, according to the Bible. Ask all these questions, only 9% of Americans said I, they had a biblical worldview. Think about that. No wonder we're not changing the world. We're just like it. We're just like it. I would say one of the things, it doesn't just fall on the people of God, it falls on the leaders of God. And let me explain this. I'm going to bring my little buddy JJ up here. Come on up, buddy. Come on, give it up for JJ. Come here, cutie pie. 
Oh, Sarah did his hair for us today. Say hi. He's like, I don't know what's going on. I want to illustrate it because we all start as babies, don't we? We are literally born into the kingdom of God. (laughs) What you thinking, bud? We're literally born in the kingdom of God. And when babies come, it's exciting. New life. I mean, oh, we just, we just, we just, oh, JJ, he's so cute. And we just to hit him laugh. And he, he laughs. He's not doing it now. He didn't know what's going on. We love it. But they're hard work. <laughs> so I want us to think about little JJ in, this, in the sense of I want us to think about spiritual babies. Let's equate what J.J. goes through with what spiritual babies go through. I think it'll give you a little bit of a perspective. Think about J.J. Let's think about J.J. for a second, okay? J.J. can't do much by himself. If I... Oh, yeah. He's, he's seen somebody out there that he knows. If I leave J.J. in a room by himself, it ain't going to be good. I mean, seriously, he, he might not make it if you left him for a couple hours by himself. Okay, remember, we're thinking about spiritual babies, too. We're not, and spiritual babies are not five-year-olds. They could be 60-year-olds. I can't leave J.J. in a room by himself for very long. He's going to get himself hurt. J.J. can't feed himself. If I don't feed him, he'll die. Well, I don't feed him. Sarah feeds him. I help every once in a while. I'll give him a little peace. He hates those, right? JJ makes a lot of messes. JJ can't clean up his own diaper mess. If we left him all day in it, it would be diaper rash city. It would not be good, would it? He makes messes all over the place. He spills stuff. He's at the age now where he grabs everything. So like you're, especially when we go to a restaurant, the waiter will put something right in front of him. And he's, I mean, he's like, bam, he makes all kinds of messes and he can't clean them up himself. Let me just tell you this. JJ is all about JJ. He's selfish. He doesn't care about you. He cares about him. His entire life is based around meeting J.J.'s needs. And J.J. doesn't have very good people skills. He hasn't learned those yet. If he doesn't get what he wants, what does he do? He cries and he yells and he screams, you better take care of me, get me what I want. Are you guys seeing a little bit of the, the parallels here? People who come to the Lord are brand new in their faith. They're just like little spiritual babies. They can't feed themselves spiritually. They make messes. They're selfish. You leave them alone for very long and they make all kinds of messes. They're selfish. They have bad people skills. They make bad decisions. You can't leave them a long time, right? Now, I know they're grown human beings. We're talking about in a spiritual sense. Now, let me ask you a question. Whose responsibility is it to take care of J.J.? Is it his? No. It's me and Sarah's. 
Whose responsibility is it to take care of new believers? Church. But most of the time we get them saved and we say, we pat them on the back and they say, let us know if you need anything. I'm here for you. Go about your way. And so many of them leave out the door. Does JJ have a responsibility in all this? Well, of course he does. We can feed him, but he has to swallow. We, we can get him in the atmosphere and put him on the ground and say crawl, but he has to use his muscles to crawl. In fact, let me just tell you this. JJ wasn't crawling at all because you people were holding him too much. He's like, why would I have to crawl, man? I get just transported everywhere I go. We finally had to say, you're going to have to learn how to do this on your own. You see, but this is a part of parenting. And let me, let me, let's see if we can get him to crawl here. Come on, JJ. Look at, oh, you're just going to sit there. Come here. Come on, come on. Show him what you can do. Oh, oh, he's trying. Oh, he's crying. All right, I won't, I won't let him fall off the stage. All right. Here you go. Give it up for JJ. Here's the point. There's a partnership between the church, disciples who have been mature in the faith, and brand new believers. We've got to help them. We've got to help them. And one of the things I'm afraid is that we've got a lot of grown men that we're having to split the mustache in order to get the bottle in. Everybody, that takes you a second to get that one. We have to grow up because we have a city to reach, we have a generation to save. And it's going to take passionate followers of Jesus being intentional. I want to finish with our theme verse, and then we're going to do one thing, and then we'll be done. I'm trying to end earlier, so uh, I'm working on it. This is one of my, when my breakaway, this is part of what I wanted to do. I'm going to get a little, little, little more condensed, so I'm getting a little better. I want us just to read this scripture. Did we lose our... We lost our... Ephesians 4.11. This is our theme verse. Now listen to this. These are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. Now listen to what their responsibility is. To equip God's people to do his work and to build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue. Now listen, it's very clear. This will continue until we come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's son that we will be mature in the Lord. Measuring up to the full, complete standard of Christ. So what he's saying is, we're going to keep doing this. It's the job of the leadership of the church. Not just me, but, but the five-fold ministry. It's a job of the five-fold ministry to help equip the church. Prophets, pastors, teachers, evangelists. Hey, to do the work of the ministry and to come into full maturity. And what's the standard? The standard is Jesus. And why does it say? It's, and he says, and this is going to happen forever because we'll never actually get there. 
come into such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ, then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown by the every wind of new teaching. Now listen to this. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like truth. Man, you think about the church right now as being tricked with so many lies that sound like truth. Love is love is love is love. Well, the love, God defines what love is right here. And it's not that we don't love people. It's just we don't have a biblical worldview. And so what happens, we are tricked because we don't really have the knowledge and the understanding and, and of, of God's word. And so we're like, that sounds really good. We've got to get trained up. We've got to train our kids up. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Wow, what a beautiful piece of scripture. The church has the responsibility to help equip, and then you have the responsibility to grow those muscles. So here's what we're going to do. Um, I, wanna, I have a little, we've got a little uh, uh, survey that we're going we're gonna to call it a checkup. Let's go ahead and put that up there. We're going to take just a few minutes with our last few minutes of, of, of time. We're going to take this little survey. You can just scan that QR code, or you can go to menti.com and put in those numbers I'll give you just a second to do that. And you can do this online too, I think. You may not be able to see it online. Who's not in yet? Okay. 15 more seconds. As you're doing, let me just say, this is anonymous. I have no clue what anybody's putting. Nobody else on this team has any clue what's being put. So be honest. Just be honest, because really what this is is a self-assessment for yourself to say, where am I at in my discipleship process? So you better just, just, just be honest. And it helps us know what are the areas that we want to grow in and we want to work at. And uh, everybody there? Come on. It's a glitch. It hasn't started. Yes, it will just stay there until we start with it. As long as you're on the first page. Everybody on the first page? All right, here we go. Question number one. Where did sin come from?
correct question on that is Adam and Eve. Sin, sin didn't always exist. God created a perfect world with no sin. It was Adam and Eve's sin that actually created sin. And the world we live in and we're experiencing now is not the world God created. All right, next question. Do you know why Jesus had to die? For, not for sin. I mean, what, do you actually know why? The mechanism of, of Adam and Eve's sin. Do you, can you, could, you, could you articulate that to somebody? Once again, there's no shame in this. We're just we're just wording. We're just working on it, right? We're all growing. We're all growing our faith. But an easy response is because one man's sin, Adam's sin, it took a man to come back that was sinless and pay the penalty for Adam's sin so that all could be free. All right, next next one. Just have you surrendered? Be honest. Have you surrendered your life to Christ? Have you had a conversion where you feel like you have completely given your life to Jesus? It's okay to say no. Be honest. I love it. We're all on a journey. We're all on a journey. Amen. Okay, next one. Could you just describe someone how to be saved? Here's why you need salvation. Here's the reason. Here's why here's how you get saved. Could you could you explain it to somebody? Okay, next question. How often do you read your Bible? It's getting a little harder here. Be honest. Once again, this is a self-assessment, so it's not. There's no points here for for telling us what you think that we want to hear. <laughs> Say what you really are. What's really going on? All right. Next. All right. It's a tie. <laughs> oh, 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 who was it? Who was it? I'm just kidding. Oh, oh, man, we're, we're coming on here. All right, next.
Everybody's like, well, I pray over a meal every day, so we don't <laughs> What's the big deal here? All right, next. This is a tough one here. Go the next one. I don't remember how many left. Go ahead. can be serving in really any capacity so it doesn't even necessarily be here it resonate but okay next just write in your own keep it clean Pretty cool. I want to go to one more. Let's go to the next. It's just we're running out of time here. That's really good. Let's go one more. I, I don't know. Is there one more? Maybe two more? Yeah, it's probably some of the same answers of serving. Laziness. Me being honest. <laughs> One more. Is that this the last one? Maybe.
Is that the last one? Okay. You can leave it up there. Thank you for being honest. So, I don't really have a charge today other than to, that I want you to leave thinking, I want to grow. I want to grow in my faith. I want to be more like Jesus next year than I am this year. But I will give you one step that you can take. And that's sign up for Sunday school starting in September 4th. Sign up. We're going to have a class on the, on the Holy Spirit, who the Holy Spirit is, his gifts, um, his character, all that kind of stuff. If, you, if you're new to that thing, new to the Holy Spirit, that'd be a great class. We've got them set up in two, two six-week periods. It's a full 12-week period, but it's two six-week periods, so you can pick two classes. So these are some of our core classes. Uh, the, the second class on Living Whole, this is going to be about all kinds of things about getting healed personally. This is going to be about conflict resolution. This is about Sabbath. We're going to talk about strongholds, family of origin, things that are keeping you from stepping forward in your calling because of, because of whatever is going on. You know, that stuff keeps you. The Bible talks about a, a, a root of bitterness. You know, those things in, inside you that, are, that, that keep you from actually stepping forward in your calling. And then, and then Lucy's doing a class on, uh, it's called Live Life on Mission, right, Lucy? Life on Mission. Really just about sharing your faith, sharing your te- even crafting your testimony, learning how to actually step out of yourself and begin to share your faith. You know, we're called to do that. No, nobody thinks so. But let me just tell you, the Bible says we are. We're called to do that, and we should be doing it. And you know, what it takes is, I was just thinking about Lucy, I've shared my faith more in the last six months because of the pressure from Lucy in my life. (laughs) But do you understand that's the call of the evangelist in the church, is to push people forward and say, come on, you can do this. The pastor, come on, you can do this. The prophetic, come on, you can hear God for yourself. The teacher, you need to learn God's word. The apostolic is really the power of God. And, and all these things, these are the, this is the purpose of the church. And so, but you gotta, you've got to swallow, you've got to crawl. You've got to do those things as well. So I encourage you, it, on the front uh, of your, in front of your seat there is that... Um, QR code right there. It says, um, if you go on that, you'll, you'll see by, uh, Sunday school classes. Just sign up for one. Your kids are, we've got a kids program too that's going to be awesome. They're going to be learning scripture and stuff. Sign up for one and just say, hey, I'm gonna, I want to learn. I'm going to make a commitment right now. I'm going to learn and grow in my faith in Jesus. Amen. All right, I'm going to pray you guys out of here. I really was planning on getting done early, but I'm going to blame the survey okay I I was done I was done so Lord we just thank you father for the church of Jesus Lord and we just pray father that we step into our full calling Lord what you designed and destined us to do Lord I pray we fully step into it this year father show us how we're to do that Lord I see all those things tired and busy and all that kind of stuff Lord I just pray right now Lord you would open people's schedules up right now Lord Open their schedules up, Father, Lord. Lord, make them prioritize. Lord, prioritize being alone with you, recognizing those are the things that actually fulfill them. They'll be more fulfilled when they focus on the things of the kingdom. 
So Lord, we just give you thanks and we give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen.